Well, good morning and welcome again to another video on the Learning from God series. And I'm your host, Herb Rich. And today I'm going to put it in reverse and back up. Uh, we originally started with the first two chapters of John. And then I was going to start another series on... Uh, uh, it was a commentary on by H.A. Uh, Ironside, and it was entitled, uh, let me just get it up here. It was entitled The Expository Commentary on John. And I noticed that he, he covered some of the stuff I've covered, but also uh, he has added some interesting points. So I thought I would do is I thought I would go through uh, his commentary at the same time I was going to go through the Gospel of John with you. So I'm actually backing up to the very first chapter again, and we're going to be looking at his first address that he had that his commentary was uh, based on. And that's, uh, it was entitled, uh, uh, The Eternal Word. So with that said, I am going to shut this off, and shut uh, this off, and bring, nope, wrong one. Uh, let's see, cover two. Okay, there it is. And the first thing he talks about is, uh, besides the eternal word, he he talks about the four Gospels and why there are four Gospels. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to move a couple things around here and move this one over here. Whoop. There we go. Okay. I'm all set. Now he starts out by reading the first four verses because that's what his commentary was. First five verses, I'm sorry. That's what his commentary was based on. And he reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him not anything was made that was made. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not or overcomes it not, as some versions say. Now, in the beginning, uh, uh, in beginning a study of any of the Gospels, it is a good thing to ask and try to answer the question, why are there four Gospels, and why do they seem to differ from one another? Our God surely could not inspire one of his servants to write a contrary record of what Jesus did and said. Men write books in that manner, but God is not, or did not, it did not please him, or please the Father to do this. Instead of that, he has given us four distinct records of men having tried since the second century uh, of Christian error uh, to weave these into one as uh, is so-called the harmony of the Gospels. But often they find it difficult to fit everything together because of ignorance. 
uh, of the chronological manner in which uh, these things uh, connect with time and customs, and Jesus was here. These records are each uh, complete in themselves. They are divinely inspired, and although at times they seem to be evidence of conflict in testimony, it is simply because of our lack of knowledge of all the facts. Now, Matthew's Gospel, we have no difficulty in seeing that uh, the one outstanding object of the Holy Spirit was to present our Lord as the promised King and Messiah. Therefore, we sometimes called Matthew's Gospel the Jewish Gospel. I always like to guard that expression now. However, because of the misuse to which it has been subjected. We do not mean that it has no message to Christians. We do not mean that we can uh, afford to dispense with it, but we mean it is the gospel that was specifically designed of God to present the life of the Lord Jesus Christ in such a way as to appear to the Jewish mind particularly that of the Jew who is interested in the Old Testament. I wish modern Jews were more familiar with the Bible. If they were, they would be much easier to preach Christ to them. Unfortunately, though, uh, the through the centuries, the Jews have given so much more attention to the Talmud uh, than to the Bible. That is uh, difficult to find an approach to his mind. But Matthew presupposes a knowledge of the Old Testament on the part of the reader. So all the way through, we meet such expressions as that it might be fulfilled as it was written by so-and-so. And he gives us indication after indication in the life of Christ that was a directly fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. Matthew presents Jesus as the Messiah of Israel, and his outstanding message is, uh, Behold your King. Now Mark, on the other hand, seems to write from a different standpoint. He presents Jesus as the great uh, servant prophet, while in this world doing the will of God, that according for all the facts that in this book there is no genealogy given. The genealogies are in Matthew and in Luke, but we do not get any kind of genealogy in Mark. You might ask the question, why? Because you know when you advertise for a servant to work for you, you do not say, now let me ask, what is your genealogy? Are you descended from a famous character? Not. Uh, who was your father? But what can you do? So in Mark's gospel, we have our blessed Lord ascribed thus from the very beginning. He says, behold, my servant. Now, what it 
When we turn to the Gospel of Luke, we see the Lord Jesus presented as a perfect man, the only perfect man who walked this earth. So you have the Lord Jesus entered into all kinds of circumstances. On several occasions, you have him seated at the dinner table. I do not know of any place where a man can be drawn out better than at the dinner table. If you want to draw a man out, just set him down to a good dinner and start him talking. I have read many bio biographies of Martin Luther, but I've never read, really known him until after I got a hold of Luther's table talk. So a great deal of Luther's gospel is made up of table talk of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, Behold the man, the one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Now when we turn to the Gospel of John, we see the opening heavens and the eternal sun descending from above, uh, taking his place in the womb of the Virgin. God and man in one, blessed, glorious person. The eternal Son manifested in the flesh. John said, Behold your God. His gospel was written to establish the truth of divinity, the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the first 12 chapters, we have the divine Son presented to the world and in the character in which he could appear to the world of sinners. We shall note in various characteristics as we go through this study. Well, beginning with chapter 13 and going on to the end, we have the, re <clears throat> excuse me, the revelation of the Lord Jesus as the Son to his own beloved people, as he who keeps their feet from defilement. This is a marvelous unfolding of his advocacy and the glorious truth of his care for his people during this age. Then we have the promise of his coming again in glory at the end of the dispensation and the coming of the Comforter, who will uh, guide us into all truth. Now, John's Gospel uh, then is emphasizing that of the deity of the Blessed Lord. He presents himself as the eternal Word, who in grace became flesh for our redemption. There is no human genealogy as in Matthew and in Luke. But we have, uh, we are carried back immediately into the past eternity, in the beginning. Here, attendance, the same expression in Genesis 1-1. There it is, the beginning of creation. But here, long before creation began, we see the Son in the bosom of the Father. When everything that ever had beginning 
began to be the word was. Notice seven things that are brought out to us. And here are the seven. One, our Lord's eternal eternity of being. In the beginning was the word. That was right in verse one, right in the beginning of that verse. The uh, second thing, his uh, distinct personality, the word was with God, verse 1b. And number three, the true deity, the last part of verse 1, and the word was God. Now, uh, the fourth thing is the unchanging relationship. The same was in the beginning, verse 2. Number five, his full uh, uh, creational glory. All things were made by him, verse 3. And six, his life-giving power. In him was life, verse 4. And the last thing, number seven, his incarnation. And the word became flesh, verse 14. So right in the very beginning, we see these seven things. Let us follow these seven points thoughtfully. First, we note his eternal eternity of being. Uh, ultra, uh, uh, if I'm pronouncing it right, uh, uh, unitarianism, the ever kind of rules out here. The word never had a beginning. The son is as truly eternal as the father. To teach otherwise is to deny the very foundation of our faith. He could not have beginning, uh, for he himself is the beginning and the end. See Revelations 22:13, where he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. But it is not merely that. He was eternal in the Godhead. Scripture is uh, equivalently insisted regarding his distinct personality. This is uh, implied in the expression, the word was with God. We are told of wisdom in Proverbs 8.27. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. And again in verse 30, I was by him as one brought up with him. The eternal wisdom and the eternal word are one and the same. Throughout all the ages of the past, Christ was a distinct personality of the Godhead. There was communication between him and the Father and the Son. Now, but this does not imply the inferiority of the sons. Full deity was his. The word was God. Just as true as the Father was God and the Holy Spirit was God, so the word was God. More than this could not be said. Now the next sentence might seem to be uh, almost uh, repetitive. Uh, but the same was in the beginning with God. But it really adds to what has already been put before us. It tells us of his unchanging personality. He was the same from all eternity. 
that is, he was the eternal son. He did not become the son when he was born into the world, but the father sent the son to be the savior. And we read that in 1 John uh, 4, 14. Now he did not become the son after he was sent. He was the son from the beginning. Now creation is attributed to each person of the Godhead. Here particularly, it is stated, all things were made by him. Else, where we read, the Lord that by wisdom made the heavens, Psalms 136.5, Elohim, the triune God, created the heavens and the earth. The Father planned, the Word was the agent, and the Spirit was the uh, executor of the divine counsel. And just as it is the Word who produced the first creation, so it is He who is the beginning of all creation of God. Uh, Revelation 3.14 The This uh does not mean that he was the first being God's creation, but rather it is he who produced the creation of God that is the new creation to which all believers belong. Now, apart from him, there was no life, and he is the foundation of life, and that includes both natural and spiritual life. All natural life comes from him. And uh, concerning spiritual life, it is written, he that has the Son has life, and he that has not the Son of God has not life. First John 5.12 That life was seen in all its perfection in him as man on earth. The life was the light of men. As he moved about in this scene, he cast light on every man, showing things up as God himself uh, sees them. Now this brings us to the seventh point, his incarnation. The word became flesh because here is better than was made, strictly speaking. He was never made anything, uh, but in lowly grace he became flesh in order that he might reveal the Father to men and redeem man to God. The Gospel of John is devoted to this double theme. As we pursue its sacred pages, we see the eternal word having become flesh moving about among men, glorifying the Father in all his perfective ways, his perfect ways, telling out the mind of God's completely, and at last giving himself as a ransom on the cross in order that men may be redeemed to God and share his glory for all eternity to come. It is well known that the word translated, the Greek word is logos, and I talked about this earlier. This was the term already well known to thinking people 
when our Lord appeared on earth. Everything uh, in the Greek-speaking uh, world, the words, the writings of uh, Plato uh, were circulated. He had spoke of the insoluble, insolubleness of many mysteries, but has expressed the hope that someday the world comes forth a word or logos from God that would make everything clear. John might ever had had this in mind when he, uh, directed by the Holy Spirit, he penned these wonderful sentence, uh, which with which the gospel begins. It is as though God is saying, the word has now been spoken. In Christ, the mind of God is fully revealed. He who heard him heard God, for in him are hid the treasures of the wisdom of the knowledge, Colossians 2.3. As we gaze down the chapter, or glance down the chapter, we notice uh, with adoring hearts that many various titles and expressions that use concerning him. He is the Christ, the anointed one, Israel's Messiah. John the Baptist points out as the Lamb of God, the sin bearer, and he also declared him to be the Son of God. The disciples owned him as master. Philip is certainly that in Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, as he at that time understood him to be, he had found the whole, the one whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, verse 45. Nathaniel also recognized him as the son of God. Uh, and uh, proclaimed him the king of Israel. Jesus himself used the expression that in the days to follow was so commonly on his lips, the son of man. And he showed us that the son of man is like Jacob's ladder that connects the links between earth and heaven upon whom the angels of God ascended and descended. As we go through this gospel, we see him presented in every possible way that the Spirit of God could portray him, and then the human mind, enlightened by the divine grace, could understand. Well, that ends our, our uh, reading of this first section by uh, Harry Ironside. And I think as we go through uh, the Gospel of John uh, and just look at the scriptures and see what we can get out of it, plus going through the commentary by Harry Ironside, we're going to gain a lot of knowledge on the book of John. So I hope you stay with me as we go through all these lessons. Uh, and like I said, I kind of reversed on you 
we were i was going to go into my favorite chapter chapter three but i'm going to hold off until i catch up with uh harry ironside's notes and once i do that then we'll continue on in the book of john so with that said i'm just gonna be fading out of here till next time bye for now